0: If you're a fan of punk, you'll recognize the name, The Blamed. This band is legendary, and its bass player, Sid DeFore, has joined the antidote. Thanks for coming, Sid.
1: Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: The Blamed began in the early 90s, which makes you, I guess, a relative newcomer to the band. So how did you hook up with The Blamed?
1: Well, uh, I was in a band for about 14 years called Head Noise, and uh, originally from Southern California, and we, had, uh, we've been, we were playing a lot of shows, and we played a few different shows with The Blaine. And through that, I got to be friends with Brian Gray, uh, who's the, uh, the leader of that band. And uh, we became very close friends. I eventually moved out to Chicago, uh, to Jesus People USA, the, uh, the Christian community, uh, where Brian was living also. So we got to be even closer friends. And um, over a lot of years, we eventually started even work together at the same job. And uh, after The Blame had um, had called it quits, uh, they were asked to do, for the very last Cornerstone Festival, they were asked to play a show. And at that point, The Blamed had kind of gone in its separate ways. So Brian had reached out to the original drummer, Jim Chaffin, um, and uh, he was up to it. He needed a bass player, so he asked me to play bass for that show, and we did it. And then kind of here and there there'd be another show some other jamming and things like that i'm in another band with brian also so it just that's just kind of how it happened and so suddenly i just found myself as being the bass player in this band <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know there was something about the blamed i could never get over how prolific the band was in its heyday they had seven albums in nine years i mean that's wild then the band closed up so what was the reason for drawing the curtain closed
1: well, it was sort of, um, it was a combination of things. There was uh, one, uh, at that point, The it was a four-piece with Brian Gray on guitar and vocals, Matt Sweeta uh, on guitar and vocals, and then uh, the, these two brothers, twins, um, Trevor and Chris Watala. At the very same time, uh, Matt Sweeta decided to leave the band, but then also Brian was asked to join Living Sacrifice. Mm. Um, that was... Pretty much a full-time thing so he wasn't able to continue both at the same time so um it was just a combination of those things where uh, brian went to living sacrifice and uh, matt just um you know had retired so the band just went on a a hiatus so to speak
0: a very elongated hiatus <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> this is gonna sound harsh but i'd say that the blame could be considered the most inconsistent band of all time because <laughs> each of the albums had a significant change in sound from the others. I mean, I guess really, I wouldn't say that's a negative in any way, but was there a reason for these changes in style?
1: Uh, I think that it was probably um, a combination of having different members come in at different points in, uh, of time with those different influences, and then just also a progression of musical interest, Um as people and as musicians i've even done that uh bands that i'm really into one year the next year uh two years later i'm into a different kind of thing and just opening my musical horizons a little bit and just allowing those influences to organically come through with the music that i create and also how the blamed has been doing it with brian gray predominant songwriter um i think that's what's been uh, happening throughout the uh, the history of the blamed where you know, just broadening those horizons and um, being open to other influences and not afraid to take chances and, and step out. And it, unfortunately, sometimes it does alienate old listeners that go, hey, I, I really wanted this kind of style. That's what I was really into. But uh, yeah, we're all people. We're not just doing it, I guess, to appease an audience. Obviously, being a band, that's part of it. But it's also definitely self-expression.
0: This brings up a question because you're wearing a flatfoot 56 shirt you're not going to jump into celtic punk
1: uh not anytime soon no but uh, they're buddies of mine and yeah i get free t-shirts so <laughs> and this was this was clean so <laughs> no they're, and they're a fantastic fan. in fact this album uh was co-produced by tobin from flatfoot
0: wow and how could you not take him on fabulous
1: no, uh, well, he's a great friend of mine. We're very close, and uh, we've we've gone to church together for years. And um, uh, but he also knows Brian, and Brian knows him. And um, I'm not even sure how that worked out. I think Brian and he were just talking about it, and um, Brian just went, "Hey, man, why don't you be part of this thing?" And he went, "Wow, okay, sure." So yeah, and that's just kind of how it happened. It was very uh, it, was, it was very low key and you know, sort of unofficial, but uh, it was great. It was fantastic. He had terrific input.
0: Of course, you guys are all part of the Chicago music scene, so why not?
1: Yeah, kind of one big happy family.
0: (laughs) The Blamed has always been a band with an aggressive tone, like really cutting edge in the Christian music scene. But was the message always meant to be aimed at Christians only?
1: Um. That's a really good question, because uh, some of the songs, I think, are, and some of them are just, just like I was saying before, like just self-expression, um, different subjects. It wasn't necessarily to have an audience of only Christians um, or just to be an evangelical band, you know, preaching to those who aren't Christian. The, lyrically, it's just an expression of what is on the mind of the writer at that time. Um, some songs you know, speak about the church. Some songs sing about um, friendship. Some songs sing about uh, just personal struggles. Um, it's really basically just for whoever the listener is, wherever they're at, whatever their beliefs are. Um, we're not speaking to anyone. We're just speaking from ourselves.
0: Sometimes the blamed is taken on really tough topics. One I'm thinking of is the song Pistol Whipped, which speaks about the beating death of Matthew Shepard, who was killed simply because he was gay. Brutal songs like that must make some people uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, uh, I definitely believe so also. But uh, that was, um, uh, I was talking with Brian who wrote some of that song. Uh, he said he was reading that, uh, he was just reading about that in the paper in real time and was with uh, Andrew Mendel, who sang for Crash Dog. And um, uh, he was also in Ballet House, the same singer for Ballet Douse. And they were, uh, they were together, and he was reading this article, and just at the moment, started writing some lyrics. And then uh, Andrew Mandel actually wrote the, uh, the chorus for the song, We Love Vandu's Writing. And um, it was just very interesting how, uh, how polarized the Christian community can be on that topic. In fact, um, there's a line that says, uh, the hills are lined with breeding bigots and hell is full of righteous fools. It's true. It's just really heavy. And a lot of times, the, the truth uh, is very hard to deal with, um, especially when it pings something within ourselves.
0: There's another song that takes a shot at how Christianity can be distorted. The band's 96th song, Guy in a Suit and the Pope, says, Mr. Preacher on the TV screen tells me that he knows just what I need. He's been there before and back again. But with that fancy suit, I find it hard to believe. He says the Lord will be so faithful that he'll protect, but only if I'm faithful with my monthly check. How does a Christian keep their focus on God instead of some guy distorting the truth?
1: Oh, wow. That's, that's a great question. You know, that was, was, uh, that's actually a cover from, uh, uh, by the band The Crucified. And um, in one aspect, that song, um, it's harsh. And unfortunately it's true, Uh, but it's also a really cool song. (laughs) I think (laughs) One of the reasons why they covered it. Um, But um, you know, it's funny. I was having a conversation uh, yesterday with uh, a friend of mine who I've known this guy for years since he was a kid and he was uh, involved in the Christian punk scene. Sadly, he's walked away from the faith and he's become a drug addict. And he calls me every so often to just discuss, you know, how bad things are. And I, I don't want to preach. I'm sure he's heard that enough. You know, there's a point where it's just, Hey, I just want to be his friend and and love him, you know, just let Jesus that's in me love him through me. And I just want to be that conduit, you know, and very, very rarely do we get on the subject of God. And, um, but we actually did yesterday for the first time in probably about a year, at least a year or two. And, um, I was talking to him about that. And his big struggle is how he has been hurt by Christians. And I was just kind of reiterating what I've talked to him about years ago is that we shouldn't be following Christians and we shouldn't be following the church. It's really about knowing God and not letting anything to influence that relationship and not letting anything to drive a wedge in that relationship. Uh, Because unfortunately, it's very easy to happen. It's happened to me in my past um, because uh, whenever people get involved, we wind up letting each other down. And uh, it's it's important not to put too much stake in in people as long as we keep in our minds that, yeah, we are going to fail each other. We are going to blow it. We are going to screw up. We are going to make mistakes. But the one who is eternal doesn't. And that's where it's so important to keep our faith in the one who doesn't change, the alpha and the omega, at least how I see it.
0: Whoa, Sid, you're good at this. (laughs) I'm flying by the seat
1: of my pants, man. (laughs) Oh,
0: and you're doing it just A1. (laughs) Something I find about much of the music from The Blamed, that it asks the listener to open their soul to truth. I mean, really, that's hard for most of us to do. So I want to make this personal with you. How do you open your soul to something new?
1: Man, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I gotta say, um, the last—well, actually, it hasn't been that recent. <laughs> it happens when you get that old. It's like, oh, yeah, just a couple years ago, back in the early '90s. Wait, no, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I learned a lot about myself and about how I—I uh, I hinder myself. When I moved from Southern California to Chicago to be part of this uh, this ministry, this uh, intentional Christian community in Chicago called uh, Jesus People USA, and uh, the primary ministry of that uh, organization is running and operating different homeless shelters in um, in the north side of Chicago. I started working at one of those shelters and uh, stepping out of myself. And then also being part of that ministry was many people from all over the country would come to be part of that ministry and also different Christians from all over the world. So I was able to really broaden my worldview by interacting with people and experiencing their Christianity outside of my little cultural bubble, which really did open my eyes to a lot of things. And one of the things that it showed me is how closed-minded that I had been. And I think that's uh, that's something that I still keep with me is about everybody sees things from their own perspective. Um, and it's very incorrect to say that one perspective is correct and another one is wrong because we all are individuals. And I think that's one of the things that makes God, uh, how do I put it? So, well, I don't want to say God is universal, but in a sense he is because he surpasses that. He can meet each individual individual person where they're at and speak to them knowing where they are when we can't do that um, so uh, I think it's just a, um, a smart thing, a wise thing to not keep those blinders on to where we um, we're comfortable Oh, sorry I just got a visitor
0: <laughs> your cat's gonna say hi yeah what the heck man
1: come on, girl down <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, putting the cat on the floor does not work. I know that trick.
1: It's just instantly back up. Yeah, she's she was on the roof last night. My daughter uh, left the window of our upstairs bathroom open. My cat got outside and was stuck on the roof. And I had to go out there at like, I don't know, midnight. Because I'm looking all over my house going, where's my cat? And then I saw the window open and went, oh, no. So I went out there and I heard her meowing. I'm going, oh, geez. So I had to go climb out onto my roof in the rain. <laughs> God. I'm glad the neighbor didn't find me with a broken neck this morning on the ground going, you know how'd this happen you know, my cat. But yeah she's she's a kitten so she's a pain in the neck. Every time I sit at my computer, she wants to get up in her and literally lay on the keyboard. so yep, she just wants to lay down and so
0: what you experience with Jesus people USA, that's something that I run into constantly doing this program. Because dealing with Christians from around the world, they bring their own country's culture into their faith, too. And often you find it significantly different from what we experience, you in the States, me
1: here in Canada. Absolutely. That's, um, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm so thankful for, because it, uh, it really did open my eyes to um, how Western evangelical Christianity really is in its own bubble, you know, here in the States and, you know, in, in evangelical you know, Christianity here, we you know, we think, Oh, this is what Christianity is. We're a minority in the rest of the world where how it kind of works is much, much different. And people approach the relationship with Jesus and the relationship with others through that relationship with Jesus in a much different way than we do here from what I, I have experienced. Um, and it's kind of a bummer because um, and it's, I don't think it's anyone's particular fault or anyone's doing it you know, maliciously. It's just, and I don't think it's ignorance. I think it's just really naivety.
0: Well, I suppose we should really get back to the blamed. That's what we're here to talk about. Well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> the band came back together in 2016 to play a one-off show at the Audio Feed Festival. Was that really what started the process of the band going back into the studio or was it prior um, to that?
1: Well, there had been talk, um, you know, Brian and I, uh, we, we play in another band together uh, that actually came from sort of the blamed Brian uh, after living sacrifice, eventually went they went on a hiatus as well. So Brian was left going back to uh, doing, not really blame stuff but changing the band and initially he sort of started a new band called the blamed is dead and then it went on to uh, change the name to the satire mm. and once again of course changing the sound and uh, the the musical uh, direction it was uh, more of a post hardcore sound and um kind of a math metal kind of uh take of course he had just come from living sacrifice so that was definitely <laughs> that kind of style was in his wheelhouse, you know, so he was, uh, continuing doing stuff like that. Um, and then, um, I started playing within the uh, satire with him, uh, after a very long time of, he kept asking me, Hey, why don't you play guitar? And I'm going, hi, ah, there's no way I'm good enough to play this stuff, man. I'm the need. No, why don't you play? Why don't you? And I kept saying no. And he finally wore me down. And, uh, it's been a challenge. It's a, uh, that's a lot of fun music, but, um, from being in the satire, he would still write other, other music that was not within that genre, kind of always holding it back, you know, putting it aside for possibly, uh, you know, blamed things. And then, uh, somewhere along the line, we, yeah, we did get together and play, or we were going to play that show. I wound up not playing that show. I wound up having yeah. some mm-hmm. issues with, uh, with my hands. Um, uh, they swelled up like watermelons. Uh, but, uh, the Blame did play, we had, uh, we, we got a singer, the singer from the band, uh, this other band that I was in with, to sing, and he was really about saying, hey, let's do an album. So Brian said, well, okay, I have, uh, I've got a lot of music that I've been working on, and uh, he had since, he wound up leaving the band, so uh, just left uh, the four of us, Brian, who's the, you know, the main, main member and songwriter, uh, Jim Chaffin, who was the original drummer, for uh, the first uh, few albums, um, and then Jeff Locke, who was also in the band in the '90s, uh, who sang and played guitar, and then me, the new guy, who's uh, you know technically I guess I've been in it for six years, but we haven't been doing a lot over the last six years. Maybe mm-hmm. just a few shows there and and um, jamming things like that. But uh, I think that's really what led it to to do this album. And we, I think, we all just sort of felt like it was time. And also a lot of uh, the old fans from the 90s and 2000s being really excited about things happening again with this band. And uh, the response has been phenomenal. It's just been really, really cool. So, yeah, so we're happy about doing it.
0: And now the album is here, The Church is Hurting People, which came out October 18th. When I first heard the album title, I got to admit, it threw me. I took it as the church being a negative, but that's not the case, right?
1: Well, it's, uh, it's an intentional double entendre, and um, it really kind of reveals where the person, how they respond to interpreting uh, what that says, because the title isn't the church hurts people, it's the church is hurting people. And unfortunately, it can be taken truthfully in two different ways, and they're two correct ways. Uh, Because one, yes, unfortunately, the church does hurt people because the church is made up of people, and we tend to sometimes unintentionally hurt one another. Um, But the title is also, the church is hurting people, meaning the church is made up of people who are hurting. And there's that old idiom, you know, that hurting people hurt people. Um, You know, we are all imperfect, and we all make mistakes, and we all do things wrong, sometimes. And the mistake is to ignore that fact, or to excuse it by saying, "Well, hey, you know, we're all sinners. People got to get over it." It's like, you know, we can we can do terrible damage to one another, and to I mean, not, not just people within the church, but outside of the church. You know, it, it is a sad and scary truth that the polarity that's happening within the church and within this country uh, people are being divided by things that we just shouldn't be divided about you know whether it be politics or you know just different issues we're called to be united by faith in our Savior you know the the God who created and maintains the universe we're united by something that is so far bigger than these minute little issues and especially those that w- aren't in the church when they look in from the outside and see this these schisms it's just it's embarrassing you know what i mean
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah so that's that's really where this uh, where the title came from and uh, <laughs> You know, it was going to be uh, possibly controversial and, you know, maybe people get upset by it. But um, all of us in the van, we really uh, we really believe by it because, like I said, unfortunately, it is true on both accounts, on both sides of that coin where, yes, you know, the, the church is made up of people who are hurting. But yes, unfortunately, yes, the church does hurt people as well.
0: Well, then you've raised the topic, because I do find the songs on The Church is Hurting People are excellent, but these are painful songs, because they deal with people who have really deep struggles. So, this is purposefully wanting to shake up your listeners?
1: Uh, no, actually, it's, it's, uh, it's not. The songs are really from, well, once again, they're from the heart of the songwriter. Not necessarily trying to speak to a listener, at least not so much. It's uh, it really is from uh, from where we're at and where where the the songwriter is coming from. Um, there's uh, just the lots of different experiences in life that uh, you know ups and downs that uh, that really make us question our own motives, question our own paths, question our own decisions, question our own thought processes. And, uh, and how we view each other and how we view the world. Um, I, th- I think that really is kind of the main motif or theme of the, of the album is really uh, introspection.
0: Then I'd like to hear about the motivation behind the song speaking to a cold room of people who need heat. Did this come from an actual experience?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, Brian told me that it, uh, it did. It was actually from, uh, it wasn't about heat, it was about food, um, I believe, when he was um, listening to something or seeing something. But, um, you know, it really is about the difficulty in speaking the truth and speaking, you know, spiritual truths or like a sermon or something like that when there are people that are hungry uh, or that there are people like in this, in the case of the song, it's about people who are cold, needing warmth. Uh, a physical need that needs to be met that can be met when the focus of the person that's should be trying to meet that need is just telling them about Jesus. Yeah, it is a difficult situation. Uh, Like in the song, there's a line that says, um, I can see my voice moving. And um, that's really about the speaker being able to see his breath, knowing that, yeah, it's cold in this room and every single person that's out there is freezing. There's that difficulty between people having needs that need to be met. And I don't want to say an unwillingness or a laziness or the desire to meet those needs, but not having the means to meet those needs. It's really about the people that are having those needs Listening to someone tell them about Jesus, but the need not being met. You know, when we read in the Gospels that Jesus met needs, that's what he was doing. And for a few chapters of Acts, you know, the the disciples, they were about meeting those needs. Exactly. They were doing these things. And you actually do see that type of Christianity in a lot of places in the world and not here in western evangelical christianity uh, i think it is a symptom of living in a in a country where we are spoiled we are very very spoiled and lazy and i'm one of them you know i i i am i gripe when you know my latte's not what you know i don't like lattes but you know just you know what i mean we're we're so jaded and um, and it's to our detriment because it does affect how people see our God through a tainted filter that is us, and that's one of the reasons why, even though yes we are hurting and we are broken, and uh, but sometimes we do hurt others, maybe not intentionally, but just through our own, you know, ignorance, naivety, our own, you know, tunnel vision, sometimes.
0: Great answer, man. That's really good. You know, there's one particular song from The Church is Hurting People that's really grabbed me. And I seriously think this is the best song I've heard all year. And it's also totally out of character with the usual music of The Blamed. So what can you tell us about Still Waiting for You to Come Home?
1: Wow. Um, Well, I'm going to say something that I know that Brian Gray, Is not going to want me to say. He has been writing songs like this for a while, and I've been on him saying, "You know what? Forget the blamed. Forget the satire. Forget all this other music. You need to do this stuff, man, because it's fantastic." And you know, and he keeps no no, no, no. music like this is kind of wimpy. I just kind of do it. But that song is only Brian performing all the the music on that uh, on that song. And it's, um, I love it. I think it's so, it's so emotive and it's so raw. It's not hard, but it's raw. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, that's the strongest song on this album. It's my favorite song and, uh, I'm not on it. Nobody's on it, but Brian, and it's, uh, I think it's just amazing. Uh, I love it. And, um, and even lyrically, golly, it's just, uh, it's so deep, and it's so real. Wow, yeah, it's just, it's just really intense. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of it. And I can be a fan of it because I've got nothing to do with it.
0: <laughs> I said to my wife, this is an incredible song. I started reading the lyrics, and I actually went into cheers. It is. It's so emotional. Yeah. But so we should be that open, that self-revealing that way.
1: I think so, you know that's um you know each one of us in the blamed have gone through uh some you know really heavy you know life changing things uh that have just just caused so much you know tumultuous uh stuff within our hearts and within our our, our minds that it's hard to you know wrap around about things you know whether it be uh, you know, some of us have gone through divorces, some of us have gone through deaths of close friends, or close uh, members of our family, um, just really terrible trials. And we all deal with them in different ways. And we all have these scars that fortunately, and I, I, this is so Christiany y cliche-ish to say, but you know, God uses those things. Um, but uh, they're still there. And I think Part of expressing who we are as believers and just as people is being honest about that stuff, being honest about the hurts, the questions, the points of view that we have, uh, the observations, um, silliness of whatever it is that's within us to express that, whether it be in music, lyrics, uh, writing, art. In any way, I think that's—I um, think it's important because there's a whole lot more people that are just like us that are willing to receive that as well. On the other side, we're not alone in this. You know, life's uh, life can beat the crud out of you, and um, I think a lot of us find ourselves getting the crud beat out of us. And it's uh, sometimes it's good to see and read and hear the experience of others that are going through the same kind of thing and have gone through the same kind of how this song originally was going to be. It was originally going to be a little bit more electric and, and then slowly Brian kind of, uh, he
0: just stripped it down.
1: Yeah, man. I got to tell you, man, there's some stuff that, and he always calls it, Oh, this is, these are my pretty songs. No one wants to hear this stuff. And, uh, you know, some of it's kind of shoegazy and not a lot of room for vocals, but, uh, I'm a big fan of bands like uh, Russian circles. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're uh, a Chicago post-punk kind of band. And, um, you know but like you know just some of these bands where it's just all instrumentally and very some stuff that's kind of ethereal and some, some very layered man and he's done a lot of songs that just i'm so on fire about and i'm like man whether i'm part of this thing or not you need to just do that stuff and he's like uh. what's his hesitation i don't know man i think yeah i just don't know we're also when i say we i mean he's also really busy too um he has a job he's a lighting director for a couple venues here in the city okay and um, well he, he, the thing is, he's not just a lighting director he, his title is lighting director but he's actually kind of the whole production manager he winds up you know dealing with the front of house audio you know the pa and all the ins and outs of all this stuff he's the kind of guy that can never say no he's asked for something it's like oh yeah okay i'll do that kind of thing too and He's also, you know, recording bands and mixing other bands uh, out of his studio just to help out. And, and, uh, yeah, he's just a guy with a heart of gold that uh, never has the time to do the kind of stuff that he really wants to do. But uh, one of these days, though, there'll be an album coming out. I don't know if it'll be The Blamed. I don't know what name it'll have. But it'll be a a bunch of these songs that's like that. That's a real. Yeah.
0: Tell him that I'm in agreement with you and he's got to do
1: it. <laughs> I sure will. Yeah, he should be here any minute. Yeah, we've got a package of all these posters we gotta open up and sign. <laughs> the rock star y thing, it's like mm, I just feel weird doing it, but you know, but and Brian too. He's like, oh gosh. But uh yeah, people really people like that kind of stuff. So
0: I told you, Sid, but, uh, you're famous, man. You just gotta deal with this fact.
1: Yeah, fame. Where's where's the limos and the comps? That's what I'm looking for for the
0: I do get about wanting to reveal that kind of honesty in the music, but seriously, what do you think the reaction will be to the churches hurting
1: people? Well, um, honestly, I think there's uh, there's going to be a lot of people that will take the the album title one sided and will kind of run with it, uh, because unfortunately, people will tend to be um, defensive when with something that may hurt you know, if there's something very close to them. I've already seen some folks you know, talking about the title on Facebook and different posts and things like that and some people going, oh my gosh, that's, whoa, that's pretty heavy, that's pretty harsh. you know, And other people going, yeah, it's harsh, but it's true and then other people saying, well, I took it that the church is filled with hurting people. So some people get it that it is a double entendre and some people don't. Um, but however it's received, honestly is really how it's received and um i guess it is intended to be provocative not in the sense of something provocative being edgy or questionable but the true meaning of the definition of the word provocative it's it's meant to provoke it's meant to provoke thought and contemplation and reflection uh it's not meant to provoke a reaction it's meant to be provocative to make people think um, and uh as with the lyrical content of the album as well it's uh like i said it really is introspective and it is basically not trying to preach at anyone it's just really what is coming from the heart of the the lyricist
0: Sid, this has been a real pleasure having you on the antidote thanks for coming to talk to us about the blamed
1: well thank you so much for having me this has been uh this has been a real blast and it's uh it's been fun. I, I, I really want to thank you.